podcast where we take a critical look at self-help and self-improvement literature. My name is Joshua Wolf, and I am a master's level counseling intern from Oklahoma City University. My name is Josh Buss, and I'm also a master's level counseling intern from Oklahoma City University. Today, we're going to be taking a look at a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and P.S., It's All Small Stuff, by Richard Carlson, a Ph.D., Josh, uh, tell us a little bit more about this author. Sure, yeah. So this book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, was published first in 1997. Richard Carlson had published a number of books before that. This was by far his uh, breakout book, his most successful book. On the cover here, it says, number one best-selling book of the year, USA Today. And maybe you could clear something up with me, Josh. I don't understand. So what's the difference between a best-selling book of the year for USA Today and, say, one for the New York Times? It seems like a best-selling book should be a best-selling book. Is it just – is it that just the publication that keeps track of it? Or I don't, I don't understand the – Yeah, I think they do rankings of um, who's um... – best-selling. Uh, I think they look at different uh, different metrics to see who is selling better, and I think their reviewers and the people that uh, they like to see. And it's also a status symbol. I mean, whether they are, by the metrics, best-selling. Okay. If you get the endorsement of the New York Times, because right. yours, yours says USA Today? It does. My copy says, number one, New York Times, best-seller. <laughs> Really, and so I don't know um, if they both agreed that it was a bestseller or if they're looking at some similar data. But it's yeah. interesting that our pub- the same book, right, had two different. They must have been different runs, and the marketing yeah. department decided to go with different strategies right. on the different runs of books. So yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that mine was USA Today. I'm a little bit older than you. Um, I consumed a lot of newspapers as a younger man are you familiar with usa today at all is that something that you ever read i am familiar with usa today it's not something that i ever um consumed with any great vigor it was always at starbucks or other coffee shops that right they would, they would have a copy sitting out next to the wall street journal okay it made sense to me that the um usa today would be on the cover of this um now that New York Times is also on there. My my whole theory is blown. But this seems like a book very much for the same audience that I think US, of, USA Today. The type of people who would read the USA Today would also enjoy. Right. Okay. E- exactly. Um, easy to digest. And I'm not trying to insult people that – read USA Today or this book. but So uh, Richard Carlson, he was a psychotherapist. Um, he was a practicing clinician for a number of years. He wrote these books. And then once this one hit, he became a motivational speaker and a full-time author. Okay. And he wasn't practicing anymore. Um, he actually passed away in 2006 at the age of 45 on an airplane um, from, it was either uh, a brain or a heart issue, Mm. um, and left behind 
wife and a couple of young children. Uh, his wife went on to continue the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. Okay. And I believe there's a number of the, these books. It's like Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Teenagers. That's the chicken soup of the it, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So were you familiar with this book at all before I – I had heard the almost the idiom of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Um, I don't know if it had just become so – um, just like a pop culture reference that that's what everyone, everyone was referring back to the book or if it's been become so diluted that people just say it now. Um, and it has no relation to the book whatsoever when people say it, uh, well, yeah, don't split the small stuff. Um, and then you know, people even add on and it's all small stuff. Right. Um, but I never, I never knew if they're talking about the book. I knew there was a book by this title. Uh, but was not familiar with it until until I read it. Apparently, Richard Carlson was not the originator of that term, but no. he did get a trademark. He did trademark, uh, and I hope that you know, um, in in looking at this book, and I can't remember if I was reading about it or if I was listening to it uh, online. Um, the author, who uh, is another famous author, and I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Who originated it? Oh, I don't. No, um, I didn't see that. I'm sorry. He uh, gave an endorsement for a previous book, and then when he, when Richard Carlson wrote this book, a foreign publisher wanted to get uh, the same endorsement from the the larger, um, more famous person, um, and he mailed out. Um, a request to the author and said, Hey, would you mind endorsing me for this book? He didn't hear back. And so he went ahead and contacted the foreign publisher who wanted to do a foreign printing of don't sweat the small stuff. Um, and said, Hey, you know, I, I didn't hear back from him. Uh, let's not use his name in endorsing this book. Um, he, a couple months later got word that the, foreign publisher had taken an endorsement from the previous book and just slapped it on a new book. Contrary to what he said, like, Hey, I, I didn't get permission. So as an apology, he wrote a letter to the other author and said, Hey, this is what we're, this is what happened. This is what's going on. I just want to apologize. This is what we're doing to remedy, remedy it. The reply letter from that author said, Hey, you know, there's, there's two rules to uh, living a, a life in harmony. Number one, don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> and number two, it's all small stuff. All right. So that's where it came from, and uh, that's he, he took that phrase. Um, in fact, let me let me recant that. That was for a previous book. He used that right. phrase to, to make this book. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so this book I, I first read probably 15 years ago, I think. I first read this book and then I read it again probably eight, seven, eight years ago. And as I read through this book, I was really wondering whether a lot of these lessons are just things that I remember from this or they're things that are just in culture in general so much or if I'd seen them in different 
books or if they were in like books before this because I feel like a lot of these things have just like permeated my life. Like they all seemed I, – I've read this book twice, but it, it seemed like it was almost more than that. Like a lot of these things have become like truisms. Yeah, uh, and, I, uh, and I guess it's a, a good question to ask ourselves. When we read these books, uh, especially books that have been around for a long time and the, the idioms, the aphorisms – Things that are being said in the books are so common now. They've been around forever, just like the title of the book. Like this one, one of the, the sections is entitled, Ask Yourself This Question. Will this matter a year from now? I mean, people people say that or a variation of that a lot. Um, was... Was Richard Carlson the originator of that? Uh, no, Richard Carlson didn't <laughs> originate anything in this book. That I'm positive yeah. of. <laughs> so, but but did it when we when we think our to ourselves these statements, right. trying to figure out where it came from can be hard because these these are not like you said these are not new statements. They it, are definitely not. This is like a compendium of just general aphorisms that are gauged towards leading a more um, contented lifestyle. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like this book has a lot of um, very old and tried and true. I was actually wondering if, let's see here. I'm going to um, don't interrupt others or finish their sentences. That is, and that we should mention that this has a hundred little aphorisms is probably a good thing to call them a hundred little different lessons. Yeah. Um, and so number seven is don't interrupt others or finish their sentences. Is that, I'm trying to recall, is that straight out of, um, oh no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm sure there was something like that in there. Um, let others be right most of the time. Number 12. Let others be right most of the time. Isn't that Dale Carnegie? I feel like it is. I feel like he's ripped it right out of it. Oh, Dale Carnegie's dead. Let me steal his... Well, not Dale Carnegie. I mean, Dale Carnegie was probably still alive when this book was written. Was... Uh, no, he, he, would, he would have been dead. He would have? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, number seven... Um, the what was it? Don't finish people's sentences. Um, don't interrupt others or finish their sentences. This is something that uh, I've had to um, learn to do less. And yes, less. I agree. Me too. I have had to do it less and less as well. Well, especially in in the realm of yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Me too. Especially in the realm of counseling, uh, because I feel like I know what people are going to say, um, but I I don't want to assume finish their sense. You don't want to finish their sentences. Exactly, I don't want to finish their sentences. <laughs> That's a good practice. Or as uh, our program director calls it, mind rape. I don't want I don't want to mind rape my clients. In that I don't want to implant um, my own ideas into what they're saying i want them to be the the originator of their their thoughts um uh, hopefully 
the our program director doesn't listen to this. I really don't like that term. <laughs> he 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 feels very comfortable with it because he said it a couple he feels times. Feels strongly. Yeah. No, and it's it's uh, I understand a very impactful way of of saying it. Um, I just think that um, it is important in especially counseling, but in just social relationships, it can seem invalidating when people uh, jump in and try to finish your senses. Try to finish your senses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so. What do you think of this? What do you think of this book? Overall, generally, I thought it really had uh, some big vibes from mindfulness. From, oh yes, from Zen Buddhism. Um, so were these things that you were familiar with prior to reading this book? Yeah, no, it was so definitely. Was not... there anything new? Okay. No, nothing new yeah. to me. So, so let me let me let me interrupt you, <laughs> and then I'll let you go on. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was just curious because when I first read this book. A lot of these were new concepts to me. These were things I had never heard of before. Like the all the mindfulness stuff, mm -hmm. I was still a long way off from even getting into any sort of depth. You were not woke yet. <laughs> I was not. I was not woke. Okay. Well, yeah, but this now that uh, I think between counseling, I almost consider you a primary source for me on mindfulness you've you've been very knowledgeable and helpful in in sharing your your conceptions of what it is uh to be mindful and how that to integrate that into your life um and i think as uh between between you and uh, the dalai lama the dalai lama uh the dalai lama of oklahoma city and between between you and our counseling program uh, and the mindfulness um concepts that we're learning there um i feel that now that i've heard it from those two sources these concepts um make sense it's not a an issue of is it new it's does this jive with what i know leads towards a better life uh, a more contented life being able to find that middle path um and when I first started this, uh, reading this book, I was like, okay, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. And my mind said, but no, there's some big stuff out there. Um, and I think this, this book did a good job of, of helping me understand, uh, yeah, there, there are some big things in life, but being able to identify what those big things are versus did I get cut off in traffic? That's, that's not big stuff. Let, let them have their crash somewhere else. Right. <laughs> that's a term that, uh, in our home that we still use on a regular basis. Uh, uh, let them have their crash somewhere else. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's actually quite a few. Is there something about backburnering it in this book? I don't is, remember um, that exact phrase, yeah, but I'm going to have to, yeah, I, I can't remember if that one's, in this book, but uh, my wife brought that up this morning. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely things that that I still still use. I mean, overall, this is a pretty simplistic book, right? Like, there's not much depth in each um, each one of the concepts, 
at all. Yeah. <laughs> Very cursory. Um, but I think it's useful for introducing these concepts. Well, see, a... my question is, last week, your number five rule was mind my own fucking business. Mm -hmm. And one of the last rules in here is mind your own business. Really? Yeah, 97. 97. Mind your own business. So it I, sure is. What You seem to have done well in integrating the concepts uh, either from this book or that this book uses uh, into your life. Was there one in here that that stuck out to you more than any of the others? Apparently, mind your own business <laughs> since I adopted it as one of the rules of my life. But uh, Richard Carlson was kind of a square, so that's why I'd, I like to add fucking into the middle of it because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm edgy. A little more contemporary hipster edgy. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I've got some uh, got some edge to me. Um, I mean, there's lots of lots of things in here that I like. Um, lots of the. I, I don't know that uh, I like setting aside quiet time every day. Um, I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna get up at four thirty in the morning to do it. Like Richard Carlson, he's a little bit more of a achiever yeah. than me or at least not on purpose actually did get up at four this morning um do something so number eight do something nice for someone else and don't tell anyone about it he has a sentence that says it's really true that one should give for the sake of giving not to receive something in return that's not really true that's an opinion yeah right <laughs> he's stating that like a fact um, those are some of the – that's kind of representative of some of the issues that I have with the book is that he very much espouses a uh, um, particular worldview that he thinks other people should adopt. And um, that, that's one – another one was um, adopt a child through the mail. That is the exact one I had my fingers on. Number 59, Adopt a Child Through the Mail. I was sitting here waiting to say it, but you finished my sentence and stole my glory. No, and I, I think it's definitely something that you don't think about, but he says, no, you don't actually opt, adopt a child, but you get to help one out while at the same time getting to know them. Uh, the experience has brought tremendous joy and satisfaction to my entire family. I don't I think it's a very something something very specific for him. It it worked for him. Um I think that I probably have greater social uh, a, a larger social lens. Um I think that there may be some fulfillment in adopting a child through the mail. Um or now setting it up to auto draft once like a Patreon for an African child. Mm -hmm. Sure. I could probably check off a box in my life and say, I am doing something good for a small African child. But I think what would give me a greater sense of satisfaction. And if that's all it is, is just about satisfaction. Then um, 
donating to a nonprofit that digs wells will probably dollar for for dollar have a greater impact on more people than just giving five bucks a month to Mukembe who's in Kenya. Um, while it may make some difference, I think if we're doing a dollar for dollar, how much difference? there's more efficacy in some other avenues. Are you familiar with Peter's Peter Singer? He's I'm, a philosopher from Australia. I'm not. He's a utilitarian philosopher and that's his big deal. And I think that that's probably an idea that's permeated our culture since this book was written is a more sophisticated view of <clears throat> what is good in the world and doing it in a more logical manner um with like the gates foundation that's definitely the thing that they're they're all about is doing the most good <clears throat> and so peter singer is kind of the leading thinker in the world about that about maximizing the amount of money and the amount of good that we can do in the world with our our dollars and so i don't think you know that that's kind of a and this is this book is dated in some ways. And that's kind of a dated example of it's, it's the datedness. Mail. He's the man. Right. He also talks about punk rockers every once in a while. He mentions his problem with punk judging punk rockers when he sees them out in public. And yeah, yeah. it's a very dated concept. Well, I right. mean, there's still quote unquote punk rockers out there. But sure. Uh, take up yoga. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you need to take up yoga? I, I don't think that yoga is something I would do um, because that requires physical movement. <laughs> and I do one sit-up a day, half when I get up in the morning, the other half when I lay down at night. <laughs> but I think that maybe the mindfulness aspect behind it, um, the um, mastery of thought... Um, some of the concepts behind yoga uh, are things that I can adopt and integrate into my life, but downward dog is not something I see myself doing. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty specific thing to uh, recommend to the, the entire world as something that they need to do to don't sweat the small stuff. All right. So here's the one <clears throat> I found the rest. This one really annoys me. Yeah. Become an early riser. And so that the other one that I read earlier, that was just part of another one. I usually get up between three and four in the morning. Come on, it's ridiculous. He's just—I don't know if he's just showing off about. Maybe it's his age. Maybe he gets up at three or four to go pee, and then he goes back to bed. <laughs> three or four in the morning—that's ridiculous advice. Yeah. For um, not sweating the small stuff, becoming an early riser. What does he go to bed at like six in the morning or six in the I, evening? I mean, yeah, if he doesn't, then that's not a very healthy lifestyle, right? That, um, well, you know, there's a certain part of the population, I can't remember what it is, who have a genetic ability for their brain to, for I mean, for their brain and their body to get enough rest in only three or four hours of sleep and night. Yeah, maybe those people should mind their own business yeah. and not recommend it to everyone else. I, if you're not getting up at three or four in the morning, man, you're just wasting like 
30% of your day and you could be so much more effective and so much so much calmer and wiser if you just wake up and not <laughs> sleep away your day, man. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so something else with this <clears throat> this book is some of the advice, some of the lessons are um, there like things he puts out there as things that you should do but because these are um, all these lessons are basically two paragraphs long he doesn't really have space to um, to give any instruction on doing these and some of these things are very complex things that people deal with in therapy like stop blaming others or cut yourself some slack right you, you can't just tell someone to cut yourself some slack and then in a book and then that means okay well i mean that's the first time that i've heard that that i need to cut myself some slack if only i'd known to cut myself some slack my life would have been so much better thank you right one of the most common mistakes I see when people are attempting to become more inwardly peaceful is they become frustrated by little setbacks. Well, he's acting like just by pointing out that somebody becomes frustrated by little setbacks, now that they, they know that, that they can uh, become more inwardly peaceful, right? I mean, that that's a process that's difficult for some, some people to overcome. Yeah, right. definitely. But I think there there can be some wisdom in billboard I I mean I almost call it billboard teaching. No, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, or bumper sticker. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what this is. But I think um one of the the lessons that's in here is get comfortable not knowing. It's a vague enough and comfortable enough statement and what I mean by comfortable statement it's something that just reminiscing about it and thinking upon getting comfortable not knowing I don't need to be taught how to get comfortable not knowing I think that the concept of being comfortable with not knowing is sufficient enough that on on my own, and I think people in general can start becoming more comfortable with not knowing things. Um, I don't think that being comfortable with not knowing something takes... Uh, see, I don't know. The more I think about this... Um, <laughs> And I see Josh's face across the microphone giving me incredulous looks. Uh, if somebody said, hey, just get comfortable not knowing, um, it would take, it would take something. What does that even mean? Well, I think there's a lot of things in life that we're not comfortable with because we don't know them. And I don't know if that's a um, – oh, there's a, there's a phrase – for oh, this is a philosophy phrase that you should know. Um, it is inherently true, based off off of how it's said. Um, 
all bachelors are sure unmarried men. Well, that's that's literally what it means, right? Um, and the, and I cannot remember the concept of what it's called. However, being comfortable with not knowing something, um, I think I don't know. I was off on a train somewhere and. My train of thought derailed halfway through that. I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. I mean, I think that's a good concept. I I don't think it's as simple as what, um, what you, I, I, I just don't think that that's a very simple concept at all. It's getting comfortable with not knowing. I think that, um, a lot of us have anxieties that are, difficult to um rein in or or tamp down or i don't know what we're i don't really like either of those words um get comfortable with let's say that i like that a lot of us have anxieties that are difficult for us to become comfortable with that make getting comfortable with not knowing um, a long and long process, a process that takes some amount of knowledge and some amount of work more, more than is in here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, as I was flipping, as I was flipping back through here, one of the, uh, one of the advice that I, I actually realized I've taken a lot of this to heart. Some of it, um, as kind of, so I'm, I'm almost revising my opinion of this as I was rereading it. I, I was thinking how shallow it was, but I think this was actually the seeds for a lot of the things that I've went on to be interested in or, or practiced even. So one thing, one of the lessons was like read, I'm trying to find it, but read opinion. Oh yeah. Read articles and books with entirely different points of view from your own and try to learn something. Yeah. That, that's something that I do. Um, I never read. I'll never say I'm, I never, but I try to read different news sources articles on the same topics um like the the, right now one of the things that's going on in in culture is the confirmation hearings of um justice kavanaugh um i i read cnn i read msnbc news um i'll go on to fox and the drudge report and find a bunch of different articles about the same thing so that way, you know, I realize that as a self-labeled Democrat, I've got just as much left-wing news as there is right-wing news. Um, do I think that we're a little more fair and balanced? Yes. Um, but do I realize that I am not getting the whole story because I'm not there and because I choose to get my news through the TV or print media? Um yeah, I understand that I'm not getting the whole picture. Is it up to me as an informed citizen to seek out more information? Yeah. Uh, and so 
I do go out and try and get varying, differing opinions uh, on the same subject so that I can kind, kind of reconcile, all right, what, what, what's out here is fact, and then what's out here is opinion. Because a lot of times those two, when you just listen to one news source, gets blurred. The, the line between editorial and fact gets blurred when you only listen to one source. But when you can hear Fox News and CNN say the same basic information, all right, we'll, we'll take this as somewhat objective fact. Everything else is subjective. So, yeah. Yeah. I hate this advice. This has caused me so much pain over the last 15 years or so since I've done this. I've, I have... I, I've I've taken his advice to to the extreme, and I've spent hours 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 days days of my life, weeks weeks of my life, <laughs> reading opinions that I don't agree with, and just being furious the entire time. It, it's like torture. I've tortured myself for so, weeks of my life. So he, sh- he should have put in there like this modifier of like moderately, moderately. See how the <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess so. Don't don't torture yourself. Yeah, I mean I've had I've had um, as as recently as a year ago, I had subscriptions to uh, fourteen different political magazines. Along, Holy shit! Along. Um, Every point in the political spectrum, in the in the American political spectrum. Are you on, like, an InfoWars mailing list now? I, I, I'm not. InfoWars okay. was not on the list. I do not consider that a credible okay. source. Okay, just making yeah. sure. Pizzagate um, did not happen. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything from libertarian to every flavor of conservative – um, every flavor of mainstream liberal socialist magazines, the the whole thing, and yeah. it's upsetting. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think that you have learned moderation. Is this something? <laughs> is this something that you've you've uh, learned no. to do? Not so. You you still have this. This fetish for oh. infophile. Oh no! I, 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 they, I thought you just meant moderation globally. Oh no, <laughs> no. But I think that you have learned to tamper down. I have your your bloodlust for knowledge. Yes. Okay. I I have. So, yeah, but it's Richard Carlson's fault. It is. So, but I, I guess that leads us back to. Is Richard Carlson's book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff, the originator of these things? No. You know, you pl- you, well, but you pl- you say he planted the seeds. Did he did, he- for, for me. I just don't think that... So you think this is where it started for you? It did for me, okay. yeah. A lot, of, a lot of these things, which is so weird, so weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the, 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 this little book has actually been pretty influential in my life. So making a, a bit of a switch from where we started off at the beginning of this cast to, yeah, you know. Oh, I, I think <laughs> I think it's been very influential in my life. Um, 
and possibly in a positive way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's no way to tell. Um, but I still don't think it's that great a book. Well, no. And I think it, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I think this book is not going to change your life. It may open your eyes and plant seeds for further exploration, um, further reading, further study into things that, that can change your life. Um, and so while I don't think that this is the holy writ of self-help, I think that this is a good, you know, almost if you were looking at a book about self-improvement, how to, to make your life a better life, this may be a good book to start with. Sure. Uh, a Get good that. book to, to uh, wet your whistle on uh, various broad topics. Uh, so you say, what what interests me? What can I start yeah. looking into? I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that maybe my view of it is from a a place that's that's more knowledgeable and, and that understands a lot more about these concepts. But I, I agree with everything you're saying. Okay. Number 48. Remember that everything has God's fingerprints on it. God's fingerprints. Yeah, that's, that takes a, a very, um, his, his individual belief and puts it into, uh, to writing, to, to share to the masses. Um, but that's his, prerogative as the author of that book it is <laughs> so josh what are, what are your final thoughts on the book what do you want to leave our listeners uh with as they may head out to the bookstores to to find it or may go online and find a pdf version of it to download uh there's a lot better books than this get a different one i mean it it, it would had a it had an impact on my life because it's what I read, yeah. but uh, I don't know. There's other books. Keep keep on listening, and we'll tell you about better books than this one. Uh, contrary to what Josh is saying, <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to say uh, this is a, a a pretty decent book. If you are just starting out into the self help world, uh, go out there, um, grab this book, read through it. Uh, tell you what, don't buy it. Sit at Barnes and Noble, read it. Oh yeah, you can read the whole thing sitting at Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it's very copy, small. Very small, hundreds little aphorisms, little uh, short sayings. I mean, the book's only what two hundred and forty pages, two hundred and fifty pages. Yeah, it's a tiny really, book, really small font. I mean, like or it's big like font. blank pages. Probably like a third of it is blank pages. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sit at the bookstore, read it. Don't don't buy it. Read it and then find other books to buy. Although you can probably find it for like fifteen cents somewhere too. So yeah, that's another bargain bin. That's another option. Half price books or something. Right. All right. Well, Josh, uh, what's our next book for next week? What do our listeners have to look forward to? Uh, for you and I to talk about, discuss, and <laughs> learn from. I like how how uh, far you're dragging this out. I stalled as, so you I, can... as I try to look it up. So next week 
we have man, we have lots of books listed. I just scroll up. Ooh, this is gonna be a bit of a change. Okay. Although still aphorisms. Ooh, actually, meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Dang, is, that's a, it. I haven't read it yet, so this seems heavy. This it, it's not heavy. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Okay. Man, well, I'm I'm glad Marcus Aurelius wrote in English. I'm glad they could uh, at least translate it over into it's a good translation. Good translation. Okay, yeah. so we'll read this. Uh, we'll come back next week and uh, talk about the Meditations um, by Marcus Aurelius, and go from there. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks. So as always, our exit music is "Move Like the Ocean" by Wildlight. Again, this has been Help Your Shelf. My name is Joshua Wolf. My name's Josh Buzz. Holla at us on Facebook. Go to Facebook, help yourself on Facebook, or go to helpyourself.net. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Uh, tell us, uh, give us reviews. Go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, um, go on SoundCloud, find us. Give us reviews. We'd love to know what you guys think. Are we dull? Are we dry? Are we boring? Or um, tell us what you liked. Tell us the, the episodes you liked. Tell us who you want to hear more of, if Josh wants to talk more, and I can... Take a back burner. I'm putting up MySpace page this week, so oh, check yeah. it out too. MySpace, very nice. All right, guys, have a good one.
Thousand roads and not one right. 